Easter. Thank you, worship team. Happy Easter. Good to be with you all this morning. Lord bless you all. Special welcome to those who are visiting. This is our church family. We love the Lord Jesus Christ for who he is and all that he's done for us. And uh, we're happy that you're here with us celebrating Easter this morning. I'm Austin Delgado, the lead pastor here at Riverstone Church, and uh, delighted to be bringing God's word this morning. Don't you love Easter? Don't you love Easter? There's so much joy in Easter. You can feel it. It's palpable in this room this morning. I love it. But have you ever wondered, what is it about Easter that leads people to be filled with such joy? What is it really? Is it the special dress-up? Is it the springtime vibes, right? Those were pretty nice this week. Looking forward to another nice week ahead. Maybe the Easter parties. I don't know about you. I'm looking forward to our leg of lamb, Middle Eastern theme today. Maybe it's the parties a bit, sure. Maybe it's those chocolate marshmallow eggs. Look, you laugh, but we almost had a serious intervention in my household this season over chocolate-covered marshmallow eggs. Those things brought me too much joy. But that's, that's besides the point. Where does this Easter joy come from? Is it real? Is it real? I mean, did you see Benjamin up here? That brother was happy. He was exceptionally happy this morning. Now, if you ask someone from the church here, where does this Easter joy come from? Why are you all so happy today? You might hear, because Jesus is risen. He is alive. Jesus was resurrected from the dead. To which it would be totally appropriate for you to respond, or, so what? So what? What does that have to do with me? Really? Even if he is alive and not dead, as you say, I still have to go to work tomorrow and likely will not be able to sleep well tonight because I have to go to work tomorrow. I'm still not well. My family is still broken and hurting. I'm still addicted. I still tremble with anxiety, still depressed, still haven't found true meaning and value in my life. I still have to go to school tomorrow, a most dreadful place where every day I'm reminded I'm not welcome. Everything around us and even within us is still corrupt. What does the resurrection of Jesus really 
have any significance on us when tomorrow life will still be incredibly hard and painful? That is a question we must answer today in order to make sense of the joy in this house this morning. Will it be there tomorrow? Because if not, we're really wasting our time here. Now, some of you are probably saying, sheesh, that's not the most Eastery way to start an Easter sermon. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're right, but it's true. And I want to be real with you all because I am convinced there is something infinitely real worth embracing today. And it's not chocolate marshmallow eggs. So let's pray and see what Jesus has to say about the significance of his resurrection for us. Lord Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. And so it's to you we come this morning. Lord, as we read your living word, would you open the eyes of our heart to see and behold your beauty, to really see your glory, and to take hold of it. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for this morning, Lord, this day where we are freely gathered to hear your word. Help us to now see and behold your glory from your word that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to invite the, the ushers to pass around Bibles. For anyone who doesn't have a Bible, we'll also have the scripture up on the screen. Our passage will be a short passage from the Gospel of John, an apostle who walked with Jesus during his earthly ministry. And we will be reading from the Gospel of John chapter 20. So if you're not familiar with using the Bible, this is about 80% through the Bible. The Gospels in the New Testament go Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John chapter 20. And if you do not own your own Bible, please put your hand up, have the ushers give you one, and this is a gift for you. We want you to keep this. It's our joy to give you God's Word, which we seek and rely on in all matters of faith and life. So before we enter into John 20, our text, John 20 verses 19, I want to set the context of our passage, all right? The historical man Jesus of Nazareth was just crucified and buried two days ago, Good Friday. His followers, called disciples, are deeply grieving. Their Savior, their Messiah, the Christ, their long-awaited King from God is dead. How can this be? He said he was God. How could he be dead? But he is. We saw it 
They were right there. To make matters worse, his disciples abandoned him right before he was killed. It was too risky to support him at the time of his arrest and crucifixion. They would have put me right there with him. So as you can imagine now, his disciples are grieving and ashamed, deeply ashamed. Jesus was so good to them. He was only good to them. And in return, they abandoned him. If he really was God, he must be angry with us. Saturday comes, quiet, still mourning, still ashamed. Sunday morning comes. Mary, Peter, and John discover the tombstone is rolled away. And his tomb that we just saw him buried in two days ago is empty. What is happening? Maybe, maybe someone took his body. They think. So Peter and John run back home. Mary stays behind, and Jesus reveals himself to Mary Magdalene alone. And after doing so, Mary runs back to town to tell the others, I have seen the Lord. He is alive. Hmm. Huh? That's all that's happened up to this point. The full reality of the resurrection of Jesus has not yet emerged among all the disciples. Let's read now John 20, verses 19 through 20. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Okay, so now it's evening on that very same Sunday. The disciples are all gathered in a room and the doors are locked for fear of the Jews. The Jewish authorities, that is. Their leaders now been taken out. Now they are incredibly vulnerable. So, can you imagine their state? Fear from the Jews. Fear of God. Shame from abandoning Jesus. Grieving over losing Jesus. Anxieties of all kind abounding. Fear, shame, grief, anxiety, despair flowing through the room. What now? And all of a sudden, Jesus himself is standing in their midst. Peace be with you. Peace. Jesus, Jesus, oh, please, please, forgive me. P 
peace. Are, are you angry with me? Peace. Do you still love us? Peace, he says. Are you angry with us? Peace. Is this for real? Peace be with you. Scripture says he was just there in their midst. He was with them, and therefore, peace is with them. Verse 20, and as he says, peace be with you, he shows them his hands and his side. Luke's gospel records, at first when they saw him, they were startled and frightened. They, they thought they saw a ghost. Oh no, no ghost here. Jesus says, look. And he shows them his side. He's saying, I am the same man who was with you and still is. Now, by showing himself among them while the doors were locked and the fact that he showed them his hands and his side, he's showing them, I am who I said I am. I am God and I am man. Everything I told you is absolutely true, and you can be sure of it. That's what's going on here. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the disciples in this place, shocked, looking at him in awe and wonder, and Jesus says, by the way, you got anything to eat? Luke's gospel records, uh, get the fish, get the fish. Uh, yeah, yeah, we, we, we have to get the fish. We have some fish over here, get the fish. Thanks. Scripture says they gave him a piece of fish right there, and he ate it. Family, every single word and gesture of Jesus here has infinite implications. Verse 20, John notes, at this point, everyone rejoices when they see it was really Jesus, the same Jesus. He really is alive. So, what does this mean for his disciples? What does this really mean for them? How did they just flip? From fear, shame, anxiety, grief, sorrow, despair, to peace, joy, like that. What just happened? At this point, I want to zoom out and gain a quick Bible overview of what has led up to this very point in the history of humanity, the history of the world, and understand why he came to do this. Jesus told them 
over the last year, as we read in the scripture this morning, he must suffer, die, and on the third day, rise again. It's why he came, he said. He said that would be his time of glory. So why is that? Why did he have to come, suffer, die, and rise? Let's zoom out now and get a quick Bible overview. In the beginning, this is the account of Genesis at the start of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and everything in them. It was all good, God says. The climax of his creation was Adam and Eve, mankind. He made man and woman in his image to reflect and represent him all throughout the earth. He gave them and gave them all his good creation to enjoy in abundance. And above all, he gave them himself to enjoy forever. He blessed them and commanded them now, be fruitful and multiply and advance my glory, spread my glory throughout the whole earth. Now, as Adam and Eve were created to live in harmony with God, they were responsible to live in obedience to him under his good rule. We must be kept pure and holy to dwell with a holy God. God told them, if you disobey me, you will surely die. All that is good will unravel, and you will be eternally separated from me, deserving of my judgment. Well, Adam and Eve failed. They disobeyed God, choosing their own way over God's way. The appeal of being the God of their own life was just too strong. They wanted to choose for themselves how to live and determine for themselves what is right from wrong, good from evil. Oh, we get that. We get that. And so God fulfilled his word. He brought about the judgment upon them. They were exiled from his presence and all that was made good became corrupted by sin. Broken people, mind, body, and soul broken. Broken relationships with God and one another and broken earth. Family, this is it. This is what's wrong with the world. It's not the president, nor the politicians, nor the schools, nor the groups, nor the parties. It's me and you. Ever since the beginning of humanity, in our rebellion against God, we want to be the God of our own lives. We brought sin, corruption, death, and decay into the world. We're all born into this world, corrupted by sin, utterly self-centered, and separated from God. We live and navigate through this world as sons and daughters of the ruler, the ruler of this world, Satan, 
We live held captive under his power and influence. But there's good news. God, in his great love for us, would not leave us to perish on our own. We are his good creation. He loves us. He didn't want to see us just decay away apart from him. He loves us so much so that he promised that he would one day send a savior to redeem us from our sin and reconcile us back to himself. This savior is Jesus, his own son. Jesus came to live the life we should have lived and died the death that we deserve on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven and we would be reconciled back to God. Amen? He came to make us new, to give us new life in him. His death for our life, his rejection for our acceptance, his taking on our sin so that we would have his righteousness. Scripture says, by his wounds, we are healed. In his brokenness, we are remade whole. And he simply says, believe in me and receive eternal life. Family, at this point, it's important for us to know something very important about his resurrection. His death served to satisfy the penalty for our sin. But if he stayed dead, that would have proved that he did have sin because he would have been deserving of that death. But since he rose from the dead, that proved that he indeed was the sinless one from God who came to take away the sins from the world. Amen? Death could not hold him down. Hosanna in the highest. The resurrection of Jesus bears infinite significance on us because it means, as we've been singing the whole morning, it means that the power of sin and death over us is destroyed for those who believe in him. Our chains are gone. We are set free. For those who believe in him and believe in this glorious good news of who he is and what he's done, we are free, free from the power of sin over us, free from the penalty of sin, and free one day fully from the presence of sin in our life. That's really good news, really good news. Everything he told his disciples before his death was proven to be true. He told them, when I die, this is John 16, when I die, you will mourn, 
and the world will rejoice for a little while, but then your mourning will turn into joy and dancing, and no one can take that joy from you. In the world there is much tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. My peace I leave with you. And just like that, at the words of his appearing in this room, the fountain of life bursts forth. Peace be with you. It is finished. Redemption has been fully accomplished. Peace with God. Peace with one another. Peace with ourselves. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, they were dancing now. They were dancing now. That's the flip. The power of resurrecting life standing right before them. Amen? Let's read on. Verses 21 through 23. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Wow. These are big words here. Not only does he say, peace be with you again, but he also says, you have purpose now. True purpose. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Just as he sent me for your salvation and his glory, now I'm sending you to spread my salvation for my glory. He extends his commission to them. And as he does so, he breathes on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. He breathes on them. That's weird. Unless, unless he's, unless God himself is doing what he did in the beginning at creation. Unless He's showing them, you're a new creation now. Just like in the beginning, Genesis 2-7, when God first formed Adam and then breathed life into him, making him a living being, and then gave Adam his commission to advance his glory throughout the world. Here, Jesus is renewing the commission of Adam by breathing on his disciples, giving them new life in him. This is amazing. This is wonderful. 
a new beginning, new creation. Jesus is empowering his disciples with spiritual life to do what Adam and all others before him failed to do, to advance God's glory throughout the earth. This is the same thing that he does for us today when we first come to believe in Jesus. He breathes new life into us by giving us his Holy Spirit. We're made new. We're new creations in him. And then verse 23, he says, go. You now have the power, the authority to preach the good news of my salvation to everyone. And anyone who believes in me, their sins will be forgiven. And they will be saved. They will be with me. And anyone who rejects and disbelieves this, their sins will not be forgiven. And they will remain under my judgment. Family, we need to understand what's happening here. He's not saying, now you're the ones that go out and cleanse people from their sins. Oh no, that would be disastrous. Could you imagine? You, I like you, forgiven. You, uh, okay, forgiven. You, uh-uh-uh, remember the coffee incident last week? Denied. That's not what's going on here. That would be disastrous. Only God can forgive sin and make us new. Amen? Only God. Because all of our offense to him and one another is ultimately an offense against him. So, let me try to pull together then what we've seen this morning by illustrating it another way. It's as if we're all on trial for our rebellion against God. Picture this. Try to picture this. You stand before him now, the cosmic judge of the universe. This is going to happen one day to all of us. So picture this. You're standing before him and you're trembling because his judgment upon you is soon to come and you know you're guilty. And the cosmic judge looks at you and says, in the matter of you versus me, my judgment upon you is mercy. Huh? Mercy. And then he looks to his right where his son is standing on his right side and sends him forward. Son, come forth. Stand in the judgment seat for this sinner. Sinner, come out. I declare you pardoned of your guilt. You are free to go. My son has taken your place. What? 
thank you. Thank you. Now, before you go running and skipping to your joy out the back door, the cosmic judge says, wait, there's more. More? How could, how could there be anything more than this gracious forgiveness? And the cosmic judge steps off his throne and walks right up to you, redeemed sinner, and says, take this, my robe, and take this, my name. You are honorable now, and this, my gavel. Now go, go, honorable. Go and do likewise. You are now my servant of justice and righteousness, mercy and peace. Go. Go. Declare my gospel to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth, in the name of my son Jesus, proclaim the forgiveness of sins, set captives free, help people see, restore marriages, set addicts free, restore relationships, make people whole, bring peace throughout the earth. Go with my peace, with my power, and with new purpose, I will be with you. That's what's happening here. That's what's happening. That's where the joy comes from. Family, this is real. Amen? This is real. His peace, power, and purpose for new life based solely on the death and resurrection of Jesus is real. He is alive. The Apostle Paul wrote, if this is not real, then we Christians are to be the most pitied among all men because we would be wasting our time living in this way. But family, we can rejoice because we are here today preaching the same message that was first brought to these disciples in that room on that first very Resurrection Sunday. We believe it. We believe it. We know it. And therefore, we have joy. True joy. Amen? Peace. True peace. Life is hard. Tomorrow will be hard, but God is good. He's really that good, and he is with us. He is with us. So where are you today? Fears, anxieties, Depression, brokenness, sorrow, grief, despair.
You do not have to stay locked in that room. You do not have to stay locked in that room. The peace, power, and purpose for new life in Jesus is yours. It's yours. He says, just believe, believe and receive the forgiveness of sins. Receive his Holy Spirit. Be made new with us. Rejoice with us in new life until the day that he comes back and ushers us into eternal glory, eternal life, eternal joy forever and ever. Amen? Amen. We preach these things so that you would know and believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you would have life in his name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is alive. He is risen indeed. Let's pray and then move out in the rest of this day really celebrating the fullness of joy and the hope of eternal life that we really have. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Oh my, thank you is not even enough. You are real, you are beautiful. You are so, so unbelievably good. You are merciful. You are gracious. We are completely undeserving. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Precious Lord Jesus. You've given your life. You've given your, you, you died that we would have life. You came back to life that we too would have resurrecting new life with you. Hallelujah. This day and all the days ahead, Lord, would you help us to see and behold this glorious good news? Lord, we gather today, and yes, this house is filled with joy, but we come with heavy burdens. We hear you, Jesus. Come. All who are weary and heavy laden, and you will give us rest. Lord, awaken faith among us in this room. For those who do not know you, draw us unto yourself. Fill us with the fullness of joy, Lord. For all of us that do know you and are here because we love you and are worshiping you, fill us with, to the fullness with your joy. Lord, that as we continue to celebrate life in you today, tomorrow we would go back to our workplaces, back to school, back to our neighborhoods, declaring your beauty, showing and sharing the gospel of Jesus that many more would come to know you, that we would be witnesses to your beauty. Send us out as agents of peace and reconciliation in the world. Thank you for the peace that we have in you. Thank you for the power that we have over sin, death, and to fulfill our new purpose in you, Lord. We love you, we thank you, we give you all the glory and honor and praise today. In Jesus' name, amen. May the peace of God dwell with you all richly. Lord bless you. Happy Easter.